Welcome to the RuPaul's Drag Race Recap Show for Season 14, Episode 4, titled She's a Super Tease. My name's Joe Batanz, and I am joined, as always, by one cantankerous co-host from the podcast pod is my co-pilot. Please say... You do not oh, know me, bitch! Oh, I am from Florida! Just hold up. <laughs> to Taylor the Latte Boy. Hello, Taylor the Latte Boy. How are you? Hi, Joe. How are you today? I'm doing very, very well. Uh, you know, you and I just did a marathon just between yes. us girls. A whole 28 minutes. <laughs> 28 minutes. So if you... I'm going to talk to two different people here, okay? Mm-hmm. If you are not signed up for Patreon, you are missing up on so much content that's just outside of this show, you know, is, uh, you, so you have just between us girls you're missing out on. Mm-hmm. You're missing this show fault dropping two or three days early with no commercials. Nice. And also, again, I want to talk about the Discord, how nice they are. You know, a new, uh, uh, one of you actually, um, not only signed up for Patreon, which people do all the time, but actually went into Discord and announced that they were new at the live episode discussion. Everyone was so nice to this person. And this That's person, awesome. It worked, she was welcome. I'm assuming she uses female pronouns. Excuse me if you don't. Uh, she was welcomed with open arms. Uh, she was showing us uh, pictures of her tatted sleeve on her arm. Oh, I saw those pictures. Yeah, okay, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. very cool. Very yeah. cool uh, ink. Yeah. And uh, and everyone was so nice to her. And uh, it just live episode discussion is so welcoming, so warm. Just everything. I know you have a lot of horrible things to say about the show, Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But... Apart from Taylor and the nastiness of Reddit, this is such a welcome place where, like, the friends you've always wanted to watch the show with are there. I, I Again, mm-hmm. I wish... I'm sort of jealous. It's something that I I can't do. And I well, want the only The only mean one in the Discord is you about once every three months when you cast someone out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Every three I mean, months, someone will be uh, piss me off, and Maleficent will come in <laughs> and block them. But uh, yeah, so like again, and now by the way, if you are a Patreon supporter and you're missing just between us girls, I mean you have to join at the executive tier. What are you holding out for? You know, um, a lot of content. Um, we learned about uh, what did we learn about this week? We learned about that I deflect in therapy. Uh, oh, you can't say that. <laughs> yeah, please don't say that. <laughs> um, we talked about various Disneyland rides and your experience at Disneyland, what it's like to be an old person, yeah. an aged person sitting on a bench with a Mickey bar and watching people. Yeah. So, so uh, yeah. Do you have Dole I, Whip I, at Disneyland? What do you say? Do you have Dole Whip at Disneyland or is that a Oh, Disney they invented thing? it. What are you talking about? Okay. I didn't know if that was both parks or just, okay. Yeah. Because I would, I think... I think I would rather sit with a Dole Whip than a, than a Mickey bar. Well, what's funny that on. you say that when, okay, so, okay, you're getting some bonus, uh, just between us <laughs> girls content. So just a minute or two though. Just, yeah, a minute. just a minute, just a minute. What I was going to say, so there's a part where I told Taylor, I was, we were wait, my brother and his, 
his wife let my you know teenage nieces run around right and we we had tickets for rise of the resistance at a certain time and so he said meet us here right mm-hmm. and he had arranged you know with the mobile order to get the dole whips um at this certain time so we went and i don't know you know that area of um that the area of main street right before the castle there's like that circle where the statue is and all that yeah we have something similar yeah there was a bench open when when are benches ever open Mm, never yeah so we took the bench and we sat there and so my brother actually we bumped my brother bumped into friends different family friends uh that from his kid's school and they were walking by, oh, hey, and they were standing. And my brother was like, oh, this is my brother. And I was sitting on the bench, and I was like, hello from afar. And I was, they were like, oh, and I'm, all, I'm not being rude. I just don't want to lose this bench. And uh-huh. I'm like, oh, okay, we get it. But yeah, but then we sat for a while. And also, I'm fat. And then we sat for a while. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. And then we sat for a while and um, ate Dole Whips and just hung out on Main Street. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I, at some point, I will be standing with you looking at the castle at Disneyland. That is a, that is a goal. Well, yeah. Cause you're from Florida. You have to comment how small the castle is. No, um, not all of us comment on how small the castle is. People did keep walking up to me and thinking I was Baloo the bear. That did happen <laughs> two times. Uh, but, uh, anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, Taylor, uh, Let's just jump right into it. This week, the Queen's overact in season 14 teasers and rock frocks on the rock frocks on the runway in honor of Jennifer Lopez. In the end, Angeria Paris Van Michaels is named the winner, while Alyssa Hunter and Carrie Colby are placed in the bottom two. After lip sync battle for their lives, Carrie is told Shantae you stay, while Alyssa is asked to sashay away. Taylor, name two things you liked about the episode. <laughs> Um, <laughs> two things I liked about the episode. I thought, for the most part, everybody's J-Lo looks were really great. There wasn't anybody who particularly stood out as horrible. There were a couple of of okay ones, but for the most part, I, I liked everybody's looks. Um, there were moments in the teases that I thought were edited really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little half second teases of like, whether it was people screaming or like more, it was more about the, the intent, the looks in the background than mm-hmm. the actual thing. Um, the thing I didn't like, I have a feeling we're going to get to that. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out. So everyone, I was at Disneyland and I got this message from Taylor and it was just uh, the 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 face that shows no emotion. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't seen the episode, so I, said, I didn't want him to spoil it. So I was like, oh, I'm at home. At, I'm at Disneyland, and I'm going to watch the episode in a bit. And he goes, oh, you will know what I'm talking about. And I was like, no, oh. I, that's not what I said. I didn't say that. I just said, did I say that? Uh, that's, uh, that uh, if that's what I said, that's not what I meant. Oh. And I think you said, I'll save it for the show. <laughs> right? And I was like, okay. Well, because it could have easily turned into a rant. But that's why I was and, like, the whole time I watched the episode, I was like, what? what is this thing? What is it? And I'm the, at the end, I was like, maybe this has an effect on my own opinion. I was like, I don't, I really don't see what it is. So well, have I, you ever seen the show, Tamar? <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, I have. But you know, that reminds me, and I want to have, I don't want to say a semi-serious discussion. It's more in the not serious, but I do want to get your thoughts, and I could see you taking it seriously and deflecting and talking about your work week. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard from people who are like, Taylor's really gotten negative about the show. And it's like, why and doesn't he like the show? Like, why do the show if you don't like it? I no, I've I've definitely I saw that last week going through the through the chat while we were talking. So somebody wrote something like, Oh, Taylor hates Taylor hates drag race or something. And mm-hmm. I don't. I look forward to this show every week. Mm-hmm. I look forward to doing this show with you. Oh well. <laughs> no, I do look forward to shut up. I do look forward to doing the show with you. I think that I, I, I am concerned for this season because I feel like we all basically know who the top four are already going to be. They mm-hmm. are, they are telegraphing that, that at the very least three of the top four mm-hmm. are, unless somebody really shits the bed. Mm-hmm. We already know who the top four is. And there is this, we as, because you and I have dis- dissected this show, dissected these many seasons, know the dance steps before the queens already do them. Mm-hmm. Okay. We know the storyline arcs. We can see things coming a mile away, that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. On top of that, I told you, I, I said to you last night, um, don't worry about untucked. And I almost, I almost texted you back and said, you should watch it. Cause I feel as though it's a talking point is that, the girls on the show all also seem to know the dance steps now, like where everybody already knows the dance steps. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily as fun to watch it anymore. Yeah. Because untucked was basically everybody taking turns crying for no reason. Everybody was just crying through the whole thing. I have in my notes that these are a lot of crybabies. Yeah. But, but it's, it's very much of a, where it just feels, I don't know if there's a manufactured, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I feel as though there are some amazing queens this season. I also think four episodes in, there's half of them that I go, oh, you're here. Like I've already, because, because they're focusing the storylines so much on cornbread and willow and it, where you just, you can't help but like focus on them that you're, everybody else is kind of getting forgotten about. And. I it, it's I'm worried, and everybody is trying very very hard to be nice. Mm-hmm. There, we have a, we have a, we have another. It feels like, with the exception of possibly Cornbread and Jasmine, which we'll we'll talk about that. I, it just feels like maybe this is going to be another season of RuPaul's Best Friend Race, and I, that's I, I'm 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 bored. I'm mm-hmm. bored four episodes in, and and I know it sounds like I hate the show, and I, I don't hate the show. I do love the show. I also went through a year of watching this and Canada and Spain and England, England at like and all yeah, where it's one of these where I think maybe I'm just tired. But you, but you're only on. Okay, this is what I'll say, and then I, I have something. You made you brought up an interesting point. That I'm gonna I'm gonna think out here on the air. Mm-hmm. You only do this season of the show. So my 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 charge to you is, well, then only watch this season. Well, and that's basically what I'm, I am purposely not watching. I watched the first episode, I think, of season two of Canada. All-Stars, I'm always going to watch All-Stars yeah, just because sure. it's queens that I love. Yeah. Um, 
and my husband actually likes UK. Mm-hmm. So we could watch that. But even like the the drag UK versus the world or whatever, that yeah. starts next week. And there's part of me that I'm like, I can't watch another 90 minutes of this, mm-hmm. you know, on top of everything else. Plus we watch the pit stop. Plus, you know, oh, I talk I about it on here. And, shit. Yeah, I don't do that shit. No. So I, I for, for those who feel as though I hate the show, and I know that you said, I'm going to take it serious. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to take it serious. And then I pretty much get serious. I, it's, there is just something about it and there's something very this episode felt very meta mm-hmm. in a way as far as the, the maxi challenge yeah. of where they know they're fucking with us so they're doing something where they're making fun of the fact that they're fucking with us but they continued fucking with us through the the, the it's i just i'm just very torn mm-hmm. about my feelings on the show right now and i'm worried that we're only in episode four and i'm already like oh my god just get to the just just hand corn bread the crown now. Save us all the time. Oh, you think? Oh, you think that's where we're going? I I don't know about that. I'm not sure about that. Okay, at the very least, cornbread's in the top four. At the, as as of right now. Now this is mm-hmm. something where I can see <laughs> where as you announce you announced in the spring, and Orion story was announced yeah. the winner, and then you play this clip of me going, "We'll just give cornbread the crown." <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I I don't know. I, I'm I'm afraid to look at the chat room right now i don't look at it all i don't want to be distracted but you know maybe we'll talk about it in a more appropriate part but the later on uh someone makes a comparison to season three right because of of what they're going to do and i and i got to thinking um that's a crock of shit and uh and and i wanted to do my comparison there so remind me to talk about the crying because I actually think the crying is genuine. I don't think it's manipulative, but and now, by the way, I'm thinking this out for the first time because you brought this up. You know, there is definitely a clear line of demarcation between season six and season seven. And I think mm-hmm. that's why there's the mistaken belief that season seven is was bad. There are parts because of production and they did bad challenges, but the cast is one of the strongest casts of all time. But I think the reason is, is that's where the show fundamentally shifted, where the cast became self-aware. And when you and I covered season six, we talked about this, how they there's a sort of like, they judge Magnolia Crawford for, she's the first one to sort of speak the quiet part out loud, kind of, where she's mm-hmm. like, I'm just here just to get the exposure. And they're like, this fucking bitch, right? And, yeah. but season seven, they're all Magnolia Crawford. You know, and, and it just gets progressively more so as the seasons progress. And the reason I bring that up is by season seven, eight, nine, I don't know when, definitely by season 10, because we have Aquaria, you start to run out of queens who started doing drag before there was a RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. And who they did, I mean, if you think about it, they were men dressing up as women for $10 a night at some local bar because they had this urge and this need to do that, you know? Yeah. And that's the difference between a Jazz and Masters and a Violet Chachki in season seven. You know, you're still seeing a mix. Yeah. And when you have that kind of personality, and that's where we saw Tamisha Iman last year, too, is those people have, in mostly because they had to 
fight with people their whole lives to be their authentic selves. It, it make those kinds of personalities make for amazing reality television. Cause these are people who did drag not for fame and fortune and glory. They did it right. for the sheer, not only, I wouldn't even say love of the art, which is part of it, but just they had to do this. I mean, there's they, a passion there. There's a passion that they had to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And, We've now come to the point in this season is indicative of it where a lot of the queens, I can't think of one who fits that bill, you know, where they were, cause now, thank you, RuPaul, but also in terms of the show, it, it's a, it's also the, the hoisted by its own petard, so to speak, is now drag for the, you know, first time in all of history is a viable career option. And the mm-hmm. way to success in that career of the fame and the fortune and glory is through that show, you know? And so I think the crying you see is the pressure they are feeling now because it can't, it's not even now just winning. It's now the social media wins even without taking the crown. And it must be an enormous amount of pressure to always be perfect, smiling and on. And I think. These are queens who now they're, they can't be their authentic selves because they, I'm thinking out loud, by the way, so I might be rambling. So I think what you're seeing is that Cornbread and, and we're going to talk about this, that Cornbread and Jasmine is a perfect example. I think, I wonder where you and I both fall on this, but I have a lot of thoughts on that. And I, and, and no one wins. Production doesn't win. Cornbread doesn't win. Jasmine doesn't win. Okay. Right. I agree with that. I agree with that a hundred percent. And, uh, and I think it's because like, and, and you're a therapist, maybe you will say this, from what I was seeing with Cornbread, and, we'll, and I'm going to stop after this and not let you talk and respond, is um, <laughs> the second time I watched this, I watched it again this morning, I was like, Cornbread's not really mad at Jasmine. Taylor's nodding his head, by the way. And we'll just leave it at, we'll, we're going to get to it in a second, so we'll just get to when we get okay. to it. Well, right. Okay, if I can if I can just say one thing. No, we gotta I move did, on. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I when I was saying that all the dry queens were crying, when all the girls were crying and untucked, I I didn't mean to say that it was inauthentic. I guess my anger or my not anger, my frustration is not with the contestants. Mm-hmm. My frustration at this point is, and maybe part of this is because you and I have discussed where they put music in and the way they cut certain seasons. Yeah. My, my frustration is with world of wonder. My mm-hmm. frustration is with production mm-hmm. and that it is. They're, they, they are, they are, it's not even that they're suggesting what you think they are demanding that you think a certain way. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't, and I get that that's what entertainment is. That's what media is that you're being emotionally manipulated. Anytime you watch any piece of media or listen to anything or read it, but there's something about it that is so – it's just gross. The way that they're going about it is just very gross and that things don't make sense and that, well, we're going to have rules for this one, but the mm-hmm. rules don't apply to that one. And it's where it, – it feels very much like the whiteboard of who's going home what week is almost like out of focus in the background at the back of the stage that like all of us can see. Like where the, there, there was no chance Alyssa was going to stay this week. It was just they they just decided now nah, we're gonna we're gonna let her go. Well, what I will say is I think there's two forces at work here. A, 
I think what we're seeing is the cornbread and jasmine fight is a perfect example of this is that the post-production staff, the editors are as just as aware, if not more so of what you were talking about before, which is these girls just all get along. They're all very friendly. They, they just get along. And, um, we have to make this interesting. This is so boring. So now we're going to build this up and use cuts of people looking blankly from other places and make it look they're all mad. And we're going to just try and build this drama. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the, on the production side of it, I think they also know who the front runners are and, uh, they're trying to build those hero edits. And then on the other hand, yes, there is clearly there there are people that they want really to go very far because and we'll again we'll talk about this. On a second viewing, they show a clip it's so funny, it's it actually directly says what they want. Where they're like, it's Deja Sky saying, and Jire is crushing this, right? Which uh-huh. is telling you. But I was like, Deja Sky, I thought was better than Angeria. Yes. Yes. Deja Sky, and we're going to talk about this, was almost like the Phil Hartman. I've gone, I've gone on big rants about Phil Hartman before. For those of you who don't remember, he was a uh, an iconic SNL cast member. He was a little older than usual. Uh-huh. And he was also an iconic Groundlings improv person. But one of his greatest strengths, and you hear the other cast members talk about this, was they almost, I, think, I don't know if they called him the glue, but he was sort of like the glue. And so, like, his ability was to sort of keep the sketch together so people who are really funny can shine. And if you have said this before on some other show, if you want to see a good example of this, is watch the Chris Farley, uh, Matt Foley, Van Down by the River sketch, the first one, mm-hmm. and he plays a dad, and there's just chaos going on. And David Spade and Christina Applegate are breaking, and he's holding that whole thing together, but quite, he's not funny, but he's holding yeah. it together. And Dangerous Guy was doing that kind of work. Yes. You know, she provided the environment for Angeria to shine. And so, yeah, I agree. I agree. She should have won. Mm-hmm. She should have won. Anyway, let's actually get to the show. That's okay. why it didn't curse us after, <laughs> after Daya's elimination. Daya didn't get eliminated. All right. After June's elimination, Daya criticized Maddie's lack of personality. The queens congratulate Willow. Jasmine cries, talks too much, and shows a lot of emotion for safe. The next day, the girls gather around the table where Jasmine talks some more. Carrie calls her out, and Cornbread explains the difference between talking and having a conversation. Next, RuPaul enters the workroom and announces this week's maxi challenge. The queens will be split into two teams and challenged to produce enticing super teasers for RuPaul's Drag Race Season 14. Last week's winners of the maxi <laughs> Challenge and Lip Sync, Willow Pill and Maddie Morphosis will serve as team captains, and the teams are as follows. On Team Willow, we have Cornbread, Lady Camden, Bosco, Carrie Colby, Georges, and uh, Jasmine Kennedy, who got to choose. She chose them because she was last. And on Team Maddie, we have Deja uh, Deja Sky, Diabetti, Angeria, uh, Alyssa Hunter, and Orion Story. Taylor the Latte Boy, a lot to unpack here. Yeah. But I want to get your thoughts. Uh, I guess, I guess we have to call out, uh, let's just talk about the, the whole point of this everything is A, Jasmine talks too much. She doesn't have a conversation. The next day they call it out. What are your thoughts on all of that? Okay. And I'm talking specifically about this first act in this because I have my feelings on cornbread 
changed dramatically over the course of this episode yeah multiple times mm-hmm. um but i thought that the way that she initially handled it in the workroom the morning after the elimination was beautifully mm-hmm. i thought that she allowed she, she she spoke in a way that was allowed for jasmine to hear her and then pointed out when jasmine continued to do it mm-hmm. and i didn't do it in a way that was that it could be taken as you know it wasn't aggressive it was Mm -hmm. assertive i am being assertive and i am seeing this is something that you do Mm -hmm. and she was basically saying in this moment this is going to be a problem Mm -hmm. we're already starting to see a problem with this um and i think that it is she did it in a way – she, she was very smart about it because I think she did it in a way that it could – at this first act, that it could not come back to, to, to people who understand this mm-hmm. um, because I know that just from Wednesday to Friday, she was getting a lot of hate because it looked like she was, you know – ganging up on, you know, the white twink kind of thing. But particularly as a queen of color saying this to a white queen – that could have been that could have gone another way mm-hmm. um but i think that she did she had to be cognizant of that in some level and she did it in a way that was just look one queen to another this is you know you you got to stop this because you know no one's going to want to play with you if you keep acting this way mm-hmm. because you're making the focus all about you versus all of us trying to have a conversation with you mm-hmm. i actually want to go back even farther I want to talk about when they came in after June's elimination. Okay. And Jasmine was just crying. And it reminded me, and I put this in my notes, this, obviously, this phrase does not originate with me at all. But I think it was very much what was going through my mind, which was, hell hath no fury like a white person mildly inconvenienced. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it seemed very, and I don't think it has to do, and I don't think it has to do with Jasmine's whiteness. I really don't. What I actually have to think it has to do with is Jasmine's prettiness. And what it seemed very much is she's always been the pretty girl and she's always been the star of wherever she is and that she always gets her way, you know? And yeah. this is a ball and this is about being pretty. And she didn't win the pretty challenge. And it's, she's crying and even, and it's just like, get a grip you know yeah and go ahead Uh, well i think i think that you could combine both with the pretty and the white you can combine it to a place of privilege yes so yeah i I think that the whiteness does fold into that as well but i think it bleeds into the talking a lot And 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 i'll be honest with you when we get to that conversation which we will in a second I it's something I've experienced and I think it's something that is particularly a problem for white I don't know about white actually not white actually it doesn't always be white for pretty gays for pretty young gays and what Cornbread is talking about I've experienced multiple times I I was just talking to my cousin he went on a trip and he hung out with some young gays and he was talking to them and he met up with one that was a friend of a friend they met up for coffee and he said that he just said, like, hello. And the person for the entire, like, hour and a half they were to get there talked and never asked him a question about himself at all. Just talked. And that mm-hmm. happened on my birthday one year. We went to Precinct, which is a bar in Los Angeles. And um, this is at the time when I smoked. 
And when I would yeah. go to something like that, I would intentionally buy two packs of cigarettes. By the way, if you smoke, this is a brilliant thing you should do. One pack for myself, but another mm. pack purely for I kept on the table and people would come and they'd say, can I bum a smoke? And I'd be like, yes. And then they sit there and they talk to you. It was a great way to meet people, right? Okay. And that was happening throughout the night. And this one gay guy came and said it. He literally smoked like three of my cigarettes, never asked me one question about myself, and just did not stop talking. Just kept going and going and going and going about himself. And I think Jasmine Kennedy? Yeah. That, she has such a boring name, I can never remember it. Um, <laughs> I think that is her problem. She doesn't have a conversation. You're right. So anyway, so it was the same thing here. She did, She wasn't the winner, and she's crying. It's about her. Her, her, her. Okay, so um, let now let's talk about that day around the work table. Um, I could see what you're talking about with cornbread, and it was and it, it clearly cornbread was speaking up for the group for and because the, they clearly all sort of feel this. Like no one yeah. chimes in to defend Jasmine, <laughs> right. right? And they just all quietly uh, say something, but you know. Uh, and I guess it's not until, uh, we get into it. By the way, go, I, I have notes here. So let's go back to after the elimination. Um, Alyssa is like, Oh, I'm just so glad to be safe. And she goes, I need a win. And I was like, that one well, the second viewing, I was like, awkward foreshadowing. <laughs> now, by the way, so now the next day, let's get into that. Another day, another dollar. But also another day of she done no she done already hadn't had hers is. I wrote that too. I wonder what happened with that. They just have so much great content. They can't fill they can't <laughs> They can't take that half a second. Yeah. That it takes to to play that. So on the Jasmine talking too much thing and the not having conversation, I think I said everything I had to say in that other thing, which is like I've met gay people like this. They only talk they they're just talking to to talk about themselves. And um, it's called RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Taylor just watched, looked at his clock. No, because I got it. I got a thing saying that uh, a notification for Drag Race Recap today at eleven o'clock. So oh. from when we used to record at eleven, I still am on the calendar. Um, the, if I can add something to that that I just yeah. noticed in my notes, mm-hmm. Jasmine said, used the phrase "I don't like dead air," which <laughs> yeah. speaks to more to again to exactly what cornbread was saying this isn't about a conversation this is about the uncomfortableness of i don't want to be alone with my thoughts for a couple of seconds so i'm just going to talk just for the sake of talking um i have that 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 is an old therapy trick to get people to talk and i know that's a parenting thing too Mm -hmm. but in order to get people to kind of open up and talk a little bit more as a therapist you just don't say anything at all you just look at them I've had that before. My my therapist has done that to me before. Now I know the trick. He would just stare at me. I'd be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. All right. Why don't we do this? Why don't we take a break? And when we come back, we are going to get into the rest of the episode. But we'll be back right after this. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. All right. I got to get something off my chest. By the time... I finish watching RuPaul's Drag Race two times, recording two different shows about it, and spending my entire week around RuPaul's Drag Race. The last thing I want to do is listen to other podcasts about RuPaul's Drag Race. But people are constantly saying, do you listen to this podcast or that podcast? And I'll be honest with you, 
I don't because I barely have time to record the one that I do. And I this 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 sits on me on my chest. So I have to get it off my chest because I'm like, is this hindering my growth as a creator? So I'm glad I told you guys this. So you guys can stop recommending shows or asking me if I listen to Race Chaser or Sibling Rivalry. We all carry around different stressors, by the way. Big, small, serious, silly. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest. Can you imagine if I went to therapy with this? And to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I have benefited tremendously from therapy. Tremendously. And it's a way for me to work out different problems that I've had. And I've shared those problems with you before. If you have stressors in your life, you need to talk them out. That's how you release the toxicity is by talking it out. And therapy can help do that. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. When they designed it, they designed it to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire and they'll match you with a licensed therapist. And by the way, if you don't like your therapist, you can just switch therapists at any time at no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Drag Race today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Drag Race. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Yeah! In the workroom, the teams break off and brainstorm their trailers. On Team Willow, Cornbread gives Jasmine the cold shoulder. Willow has a background in sketch comedy. Carrie worries about staying pretty. And Georges questions her own comedy skills. Over on Team Maddie, Dio wants to use a sugar daddy speech. Maddie impresses Angeria with her creativity. And Alyssa feels silenced by... The group. Taylor, any thoughts on everything that happens in the workroom as they get ready for this? Uh... Well, when Willow says, you know, teasers are those things that make you want to keep watching the show. I wrote, so lies. Yeah, always lies. <laughs> the, the challenges are lies because it always mm-hmm. is. It's a misdirect every single time. Yeah. Um, I thought Willow's team was initially going to be stronger. Um, and I loved that Willow referenced one of my all-time favorite movies, which is Drop Dead Gorgeous. I don't necessarily know how they did that with their mm-hmm. with their folks, but mm-hmm. with their with their clip. But I that is one of my all time favorite movies. So I don't know if we're going to get back to the Jasmine Cornbread thing, but I think I felt it's appropriate here more than yeah. last time. Oh yeah, no, we're going back to that. I just wanted to get that stuff out of the way, and then we could go back to the other thing. So I feel what happened, and this is what I think now this conversation is not about Jasmine and cornbread now. It's about, well, no, it is about, now it's about cornbread mm-hmm. and now it's about post production. So what yes. happens is, you know, now Willow's, I mean, now Jasmine's on Team Willow and they are now brainstorming at the table 
and Jasmine's taking notes, and Cornbread's scolding her. And she's talking, and Cornbread, Cornbread is just now on her, like, white on rice, you know? Yes. And there's a couple of things at play here to me in my head. Which is, you know, in our head, there's been a commercial break and stuff like that, but it hasn't been that long, you know, since it mm-hmm. happened. And maybe, the, you know... This is where you do get into the weird intricacies, and I wish you could talk to either one of them and ask. But, Taylor, you can give me your impression here. But, like, I have had moments like this with friends, right? Uh-huh. But those moments are moments. And it's one of these things where and maybe this is production prevents this. That's a that's a private conversation that Jasmine and Cornbread have, and it's done in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Without background music and without shots yeah. of all of your other friends, like, looking very, ooh, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's a conversation where, after, even after that moment, where Jasmine pulls Cornbread aside and says, you know, hey, I... This and this and this, and corporate says, you know, blah, 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 and boom, it's done in five minutes, and they hug and they kiss, right? Right. And either the producers kept them apart and didn't let that happen, or what? But we're going to have to, at some point now, just pretend like the what, the edited re- version we saw is the reality. Otherwise, you right. just get into a rabbit hole. So if we're, if right. we're buying into the reality of what we see... What the fuck is Cornbread's problem? <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, the, I wrote in my notes, I went from really supporting con- Cornbread to going, bitch, what? Mm-hmm. Because at this point, it feels like in the beginning when Jasmine, and yes, Jasmine definitely talked a little longer than she needed to when they first mm-hmm. got to the table, mm-hmm. but basically was saying, I hear what you guys are saying. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to write down all of my questions. I will save them for the end. Yes. You know, and so what she is, in my mind, what she is saying is, I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And and I get editing, but Cornbread's got this, like, sour look on her face the whole time. And then even when she is quiet and she's taking and – she, and she explains, I'm writing down who everybody's going to be and that sort of stuff. So in that mind, it looks like, okay, you talk too much and now you're not talking enough. You're not paying attention. Do you remember what we talked about? Mm-hmm. Which, if anything, she's saying, I am paying attention because I'm writing notes. It's like she's damned if she does, damned if she – Jasmine is damned if she does, damned if she doesn't at that mm-hmm. point. And it really kind of paints cornbread in a not great light because th- then it goes from I'm trying to be your friend to bullying. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Because – at that point, why do you care what Jasmine is doing? Who ca- if she's not listening, that's not your fucking problem, right? Right. She could not be listening, you know. Who cares? Like now, yeah. you've said it, right? And that's but that's why I said this is where the conversation is. It started to get to a point, and again, this is if we're buying into the edit here. It started to get into the point where it's like this isn't really about this, like. Something about Jasmine is triggering cornbread, you know, uh-huh. and bringing up some sort of feeling that um that has nothing to do with Jasmine, you know, yeah, I remember you know right after I broke up with Cameron, uh 
and I had a boyfriend named Cameron. He famously wanted to be polyamorous, right? And I just wasn't uh-huh. here for it. And ultimately, that's what broke us up. And the reason I bring that up is like very soon after, and I was very in my feelings. Uh, I was with a bunch of comedian friends, and one of them was a woman, and she was like, I'm in a polyamorous relationship. And I was so cornbread in that moment, right? Uh-huh. And so emotional, and so like, reading her for filth, and it's just not going to work. And by the way, it didn't work. But I was right. But again, it was not my place. It's her fucking relationship, right? But so, yeah. But it had nothing to do with that woman. It had to do with me. And so that's sort of the feeling I was getting with cornbread was like, there's a lot more going on here than yeah. We she was she feeling. she was transferring feelings about something. She she was um, imprinting them onto Jasmine. Absolutely. Yeah. So it went a place from being assertive to like, uh, yeah, where it turned into bullying. So I don't know. It 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 it, it, it went back and forth for me. I, I didn't know about this. You mentioned this earlier that there was some sort of uh, reaction online to Cornbread reading Jasmine. What what? I didn't see that. Corn- Cornbread had posted something saying, I think it's after they released the first act on YouTube, mm-hmm. you know, for those of you who think that I'm upset by all the comments, you know, I'm just sitting here laughing, reading all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a problem. You know, uh, it, it, what, what you think of me is not as important to me as what I think of me. Or she said something along those lines. And then I went in and looked at the looked at the comments to her tweet. And they were all like, well, you went after a white twink. What did you expect? You know, all well, that's that kind true. of stuff. No, and that is true. Unfortunately, that that is true. But I know that after the show last night, both Cornbread and Jasmine released tweets that talked about, "Look, we're good." It was it was kind of what you're saying. It was a five minute issue that you know Jasmine said Cornbread has made me a better queen because she she taught me something that I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. You know, so but of course, in our minds, this is happening live in front of us kind of thing versus something that was literally taped months and months ago. Yeah, but I've learned that the movement, the white twink, we have to save the white twink movement is so much bigger than the twink itself because it reminds me again, another comparison to make is like, you see how like now the Trumpistas now are even past Trump, you know, like Trump now promotes the vaccine. Like, nah, we're, you know, now they don't like Trump, you know? Yeah. And it's the same thing where, like, this, cause this has happened before. This is the same fucking story has happened a million times before. Someone attacks a white twink, people lose their fucking minds, and the white twink is like, no, we're fine, and it doesn't stop. It just doesn't stop. It's, yeah. Die, N word, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it has nothing to do with a twink, you know? And, but, um, what did, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Wouldn't Jasmine. you say that it really almost never did at that point? If you're going to the point of where somebody has a conversation with a white twink about listening versus hearing, and then your response, even when the white twink says, you know, no, we're good, everybody back off, die N-word, it's really never was about the white twink. It was about having these feelings yes. about somebody who looks like cornbread mm-hmm. speaking to having having the gall to mm-hmm. speak to a, a a white person in that way. It, it, yeah. it has nothing – that could be a non-twink at that point, and then you're seeing that. No, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, on the corporate side, like, it's like – to me, when you make that response, then you do care. Like, 
If you truly didn't care, you wouldn't respond. Yeah. That's sort of how I feel. Mm-hmm. These queens get too into social media, and it's just it brings them. I mean, you, you can't. RuPaul and the Michelle have told them over and over again: do not look at the comments online. Do not look at the comments. They then they have to. They have to. They have to feed the beast, Taylor. Yeah. Um. Okay. Uh, what What about Team Maddie? Any thoughts that uh, you had on that? No, I mean, I just you you kind of knew going in that Alyssa and Georges, uh, because they basically on both teams there was somebody who was very low personality and didn't mm-hmm. seem to get it and mm-hmm. all of that. I just sort of thought, okay, well, those are the two that are going to be in trouble this episode. Uh, I'm going to talk quickly about uh, Alyssa. I please someone who is Puerto Rican because now this is clearly a cultural thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen it with, uh, even Michelle calls it out, with Yara Sofia. Kenya Michaels was like this, too. Now we have Alyssa, where I'm assuming this is just an inference I'm making, that um, Puerto Rican culture or drag culture, culture sees clowning it up and talking in a high-pitched voice and being crazy and throwing yourself all over the place equals comedy mm-hmm. and maybe not maybe it's not particular puerto rico maybe it could be all of latin america i would like someone to educate me even though i'm latin american i don't have a familiarity with that because it seems to be something that there's a cultural disconnect these puerto rican queens i've only seen it with puerto rican queens but we haven't had a lot of queens from other cultures is i guess what's weird to me is how are they watching the show? How are they fans of the show? Seeing that this does not go, this does not work with Rue and Michelle, and they still go with it. That's the part I don't understand. Uh, but I also think, yes, I agree with what you're saying. But if you watched the finis- finished products mm-hmm. of these two shorts, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call them. Yeah. It is just chaos and people screaming. That's all they both really are. Well, yeah. And that's what a lot of the sketches and the skits, you know, we even see it in one of the finished products today mm-hmm. of where at one point two of the queens start to make out. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's how drag queens end every sketch. But, the, but, the, but that's that. But yes, but that's proving my point mm-hmm. or proving your point, proving my point that it is where really at some point there's going to be something where they're going to scream. And if this is something where I have to stand out, so I'm going to raise my voice a little bit, or I'm going to speak with an even thicker accent, or I'm going to do something where I'm going to lean into those stereotypes to stand out. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense that they, that's where they would go. Mm-hmm. Um, but we haven't seen enough of it, or maybe they, they just don't put two and two together. I don't know. But, um, and then the big point I want to talk about is, so Dias says, I want to, you know, pay homage to the great iconic season three moment where, and I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to paraphrase what she says and I'm going to address this where Shangela stands up to me, me, I'm first. Right. And does that speech. And I want everyone to know, I'm going to make this known right now. And I was surprised like you, we just recently on Patreon covered season three. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there are two things I will say. A, it's a boring season. B, 
It is the greatest untuck season of all untuck seasons. It is a phenomenal untuck season. Okay, it's the best untuck season I've ever seen. And it 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 you have to watch untuck with the season. Not even getting half the story. You're getting eighty percent of the story over on untucked. And the one thing I will say is in that episode, and I analyzed that episode, I seen this episode, and I was surprised myself. I'm gonna be on Mimi on first side on this one. Really? Oh yeah, 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 a hundred percent. Because if you actually watch the episode, it's, it's by the way, I want to say it's not just Shangela. Every single fucking human being, except for Stacey Lane Matthews, on this season. Is a hard not Yara either. Everybody else, horrible, horrible people. Alexis, <laughs> horrible. Shangela, horrible. Raja, Delta, Carmen, all the Heathers, horrible, 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 horrible people. Okay. Okay. Rotten people. And on that episode, Shangela is bullying. Mimi so hard the entire episode going after you look like a man you, you what you do is hard I mean I'm talking bullying 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 Mimi's just sitting there going after her nick, 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 at Mimi for no reason kind of what what like what cornbread was doing to Jasmine at that table the next day no, mm-hmm. in the workroom like that yeah. just like whatever Mimi could fucking just you know uh she could just walk out on the runway and she would be like, Mimi, you look horrible, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, Mimi just goes like, something like super dumb and weak, like, well, you know, she even said, what's funny is before she says what she says, she's, Mimi's defending herself and she says, okay, I'm ugly. I look like a man. That's not the kind of drag I do. I can't, I just, the way I look, I cannot look beautiful like you, Shangela, okay? And then she gets her little dig and she goes, we don't all have a sugar daddy to buy us clothes, right? This is Mm -hmm. like so long of Shangela's going after her and Shangela, that's the thing is you can tell in that episode, Shangela is waiting for that moment. She's trying to get Mimi to burst so that then she can throw the drink in her face. 100% in that episode, yes, it's an iconic speech. Yes, we quote it. But in Mm -hmm. 100%, Shangela is the bully and wrong in that episode. Thank you. Okay. Anyway, so she did not stand up to Mimi at first. Mimi stood up to Shangela and got paid for it. <laughs> and by the way, Mimi at first is no wonderful person either, as we all no. know. But in that episode. Okay, have we said everything you wanted to say about the workroom there? Yeah. All right, let's talk about the teasers there. It's time to record the teasers, and Team Willow is up first. Jasmine fumbles her lines at first, but impresses Cornbread with her performance. Carrie gets tongue-tied and distracted by her hair, while Georgia struggles to stand out over on Team Maddie. And Jiria loses her wig, but steals the show, and Maddie plays up her straightness for laughs. Um, Did you have any big thing about recording the teasers here? I mean, we have a discussion (laughs) point here, but I don't really remember... The only thing I wrote was, these are horrible. <laughs> That's all I wrote. Well, here's what the one thing I will say. Um, a couple of things that I have here. One, I have a comment that says, uh, Cornbread in a confessional says that she's surprised that she and Jasmine got, al- got along. I'm like, 
except for those few minutes, you've gotten along the whole time. Yeah. So, but again, she's just giving the producers what they want. Okay. We talked about the drag queens making out. Okay. Let's talk about manipulation here. Uh I just ruffled my hair. Anyway, (laughs) they have a confessional at one point, briefly, during when they're talking about the challenge. And Willow says, like, I did improv, and so I know funny. And I was like, have you been to an improv show? (laughs) I don't think any of those people know funny. Lori Roggenkamp is the renowned improv queen of L.A. What does that tell you? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) One. Two. I didn't think what what Willow did was all that great. With the Where's Jeffrey Boyer Chapman? That wasn't that funny. Am I wrong? And it went on way too long. I will say, and, and they, they ended up not using job. it. That's the thing with these is they showed all of these, and then in the finished product, all of the stuff that they showed, they didn't use almost any of it. Well, that's that's wise in the editor's part. The editors did choose the funniest parts, right, of the, of that mm-hmm. moment. But and and you know there is something to trying all that stuff out and letting the editors fix it in post. But the, but the way Michelle and Carson were guffawing, the way she was looking for like and, and doing that, like to me that was like a shitty improv performance you go to, where you make a funny face and you go, hey, this is more about the chicken, where's where's Jeffrey boy Jimmy, where's Jeffrey Taylor, where's Jeffrey 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 where are Jeffrey Jeffrey I can't find Jeffrey. Is Jeffrey under this table? Is Jeffrey behind your hair? Like, why would Jeffrey be behind someone's hair? I don't know. And I'm like, this... Okay, first of all, Willow is allowed to not be funny. Okay? That's fine. Mm-hmm. But don't try and make it sound like she's funny. Okay, but anytime they have had... Last season, we saw that with Utica. I'm well trained in improv, and then that ended to be where that was her downfall. Yeah, but they at least showed it. This one, they this was just as funny, and they made it seem like it was the funniest fucking thing that ever happened. Yeah, um, but I think that at this point it is clear that it is early enough in the season that Rue is still very much in love with Willow Pill, and Carson and Michelle know who signs their checks. <laughs> so at this point, it's very much of the. Let's just laugh at anything she does because clearly she's not, you know, she's not going to go home this episode. Yeah. I didn't think she was that funny. The end. And don't get me wrong. She does funny things that Jennifer Lopez dress. And when she picked it, that was funny. Mm-hmm. But the Jeffrey Boyer Chapman thing, that wasn't funny. Uh, all right. It's elimination day and the girls get ready for the runway. Cornbread's body aches from the shoot and Georgia's hopes her JLo impression saves her on the runway. Alyssa Hunter shares that she and her father came out to each other at the same time. And Carrie comments on Alyssa's package and that should have been the sign to Alyssa when they were like, Alyssa, talk about your gay dad. Yeah. <laughs> out of nowhere. Carrie comments on Alyssa's package and Lady Camden learns about bird watching. JLo then appears on a video screen. I think she sent a cameo to encourage the queens. <laughs> I mean, they should have put. They should have done a plug for cameo with that with yeah. that video. Yep. Yep. What are your thoughts here? Uh, George just didn't look anything like J Lo in that picture they showed. 
I don't get why she's like, I want a Jennifer Lopez imp- uh, impersonation no. contest or something like that. She, I was, I was just like, she just, she's a pretty queen, but she doesn't look like JLo. Yeah. Um, is this the first time that we've had a queen talk about their dad being gay? I we know that we've had like gay uncles and I feel mm-hmm. like we've had a gay mom or two, but I don't know that we've ever had a gay dad. Uh, the first time I can remember. So I, that was, that was just, that was interesting I, I mean, as Here's the deal. If it's not, I'm going to already fucking hear from every fucking God. That, there is this person who I've been talking to. Mm-hmm. He listens to the show. Mm-hmm. Every little tiny mistake. <laughs> I get, how did you not know that in season, you said that no one's ever, you know, clicked a pen twice on their, <laughs> gone like this twice. On the show. In season 11, episode 7, you know, uh, uh, Evie oddly did that in the background. And you're like, okay, I I didn't know that. (laughs) So Um, you're going to hear about it. We're going to hear about it. Okay, well, then we we will get it. A a terse tweet. The best thing, too, is they'll do it for for, – for things that happen after the show ended. How did you not know that, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, five years after Detox's dad died, they found a letter where he said he was gay. <laughs> and I'm like, how would I know that? Right. Well, don't you watch Bussy Queen? I'm like, no. <laughs> Bussy Queen. <laughs> oh, God. Um, the, the, when you compare the JLo video mm-hmm. to, the one that I wrote down was Anne Hathaway, where Anne Hathaway, that was clearly on like a Zoom call yeah. because she was answering very specific questions. She was talking to them, yeah. Whereas, whereas this one was – it was just sort of an excuse to write the name of her shitty movie that's coming out in a couple weeks. And That's the one that Army Hammer was supposed to be and they were going to start filming like the next day and they found out like, he wanted to eat you and jack off. Remember that? <laughs> Which I'd be fine with. But really, Would you really um, let Army Hammer eat you? He could eat parts of me, <laughs> not eat like chew. That's what but... he wanted to do. No, I know, I know. I I always thought he was really cute. Now, now I just see psychopath when I see him on things. Like I really want to see this Death on the Nile movie, but I'm like, and they have completely taken him out of all the ads for it. Oh, really? But getting back to getting back to J Lo, like I, as she's talking, I wonder if that's something where they had her say, "Hey guys, it's me, J Lo," and then pause for twenty seconds because they knew it was going to be a room full of faggots all screaming. <laughs> and then, or if they had to pause the video or like rewind it back, or no, they told her just look into the camera like you're talking to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was something about it that was just it just felt so stale compared to the Anne Hathaway one that like love or hate Anne Hathaway, she seemed genuinely excited to be doing it, and she was welcoming to answering questions and all of that sort of stuff. So it just felt a little like, Ooh, mm-hmm. they probably, you know, JLo probably was like, y'all go in and they're like, this JLo is such a nightmare. We don't want her in here. What a horrible <laughs> human being she is. Terrible. Is she? Oh, I've heard stories. Oh, that makes me sad. Cause you, really you never her. heard these stories. No, not about oh, her. Oh, Yes. Horrible person. Horrible. And what's well, funny, it doesn't surprise me. It's just I just never heard them. The, yeah, it, she was clearly not talking to them. You know, I kind of want to go back to something. I missed it on the um, – because I don't have my usual notes. I have to do my phone because my printer's not working. Just really quickly during the filming about Team Maddie, it's really quickly – you know, I've seen people criticize Di- uh, Diabetti because they say, oh, she looks – she looks like Crystal. I kind of think – and I don't know if she's commented – 
that that was on purpose. That that was the because they're trying to. It, it looks like they're trying to emphasize negative things about what people might think about them, like yeah. the fight and stuff like that. So I think she intent. That's the impression I got was she intentionally painted her face like Crystal and looked like her because she knew people would compare her to Crystal, and that was sort of the yeah, joke. That's a that's a good point. I think that's the joke. Um, okay. We did Elimination Day, the cameo from J-Lo. Let's go to the main stage. The Queens debut their season 14 super teasers. And on the runway, the category is Night of a Thousand J-Lo's. I want to say this one more time and I'll say it again. We do the runways in depth. Not me, not Taylor, but Christian and Robert over on Bring It to the Runway. Now, by the way, Starting with this episode, actually, because we're going to start doing Drag Race UK versus the world right here on this very feed. Uh, Bring It to the Runway is going to be available on Patreon, patreon.com slash afterthoughtmedia, or calm down. They have their own dedicated feed, okay? Uh, Bring It to the Runway is now available everywhere on their own feed. Right now, you know, Anchor takes forever. So right now they're just on Spotify, but so listen on Spotify, but I'll let you guys know when it's on iTunes and Apple and they're the same thing and, uh, on all the other platforms. But right now you can get it on Spotify now even. Uh, so listen to bring it to the runway over there. Christian and Robert will have the looks broken down, mama. Uh, and I, 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 Taylor, I don't know what you feel. I personally love the show. Bring it to the runway. It's a different feel from what we do. Okay. And I don't know the references or what they're talking about half the time. But I do like it. Um, okay, but Taylor, um, you give your own take on the looks. What were some of your favorites, your least favorites? Tell us about what you thought about the looks. Um, I liked... I Obviously, I liked Carrie Colby. I mean, it was the actual fucking dress. So How did she in get that? that? She probably it was on loan from somebody. She probably went to Versace and said, "Hey, can I wear this?" And mm-hmm. and you know, it kind of was her downfall. I thought to some degree, but I thought that she looked amazing. Um, I thought Angeria looked beautiful with the Met Gala look, with the the silver, with the with the wig, mm-hmm. <laughs> the wig thing, the diamond thing. Um, and uh let's see somebody else that i really loved was i loved lady camden's look i thought lady camden looked amazing as well those were probably my three favorite um the ones i did not oh and i liked uh georgis as well i thought she looked great the ones i did not like was i did not like um maddie i thought her makeup was horrible uh i liked i didn't necessarily like bosco's look but just because the first thing that my husband and I both said is she looks like a cat. She doesn't look like J-Lo, like the way she had done her makeup. But then in Untalked, I thought, oh, God, she looks beautiful. Her makeup looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was just, I think it was just the thing with the lighting. But I, I didn't like the way she had the, well, almost like she had oranges in her, the, in her top kind of thing. Um, and I did not like Willow's look either. I thought that the look was very simple. Mm-hmm. But That's they really liked it. it for the reference, though, and she said she actually picked it because it was ugly. Yeah, well, and it is kind of an ugly. But that that end of the '90s, early 2000s—that's a really ugly time in fashion, as far as I'm concerned. So mm-hmm. it makes it makes sense. But I, yeah, as far as as far as looks goes, those are kind of my thoughts on the looks. All right, and those are 
the, the looks, looks. I do want to have a conversation, even though it's not technically the looks. About let's talk about the Carrie Colby situation. Are you going to get in trouble? We go over. No, oh. no. About the looks here, I do want to have a conversation about this because it does bring up a sort of conversation about the inherent inequity uh, in this show. Is that you're right? Carrie Colby looked phenomenal. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and someone put in the discord that she said, she told, uh, Carrie told Entertainment Weekly that she secured the dress through a well-connected friend in the fashion industry. And I'm like, we have to, co- it's almost now like where we're at the conversation that people had about steroids in baseball, mm-hmm. where, you know, one of the conversations was either we outright ban it, which is what they have done, or mm-hmm. it, it's a free for all and everyone gets to use steroids, and that's just where we are, okay? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then, because at least it's fair. Because it's not fair when you have people playing by the rules, and not that Carrie didn't break any rules, but that, and then you have, you know, like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and Barry Bonds. By the way, people don't write to me. I said literally, I just gave you the extent of all knowledge about sports that I know. <laughs> um, you know, who were using steroids. And mm-hmm. smashing records and... um and doing all that. And it's like, you know, I, I rarely reference All Right Mary, the um, podcast, even though I want to bring Larry Flick back and call it All Right Larry. And <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be an amazing podcast? Larry Flick, just for the show, All Right Larry. Uh-huh. Anyway. um, Larry Flick, by the way, is, I will say this, no matter what people, he was on our network for a brief amount of time. But he is an iconic gay broadcaster. and Absolutely. Hats off to Larry Flick. Anyway, who has now since retired to Wales. Mm-hmm. Not, he, I'm not calling him a name. The, the part, <laughs> you know, part of the UK. The country. Yeah. Yes. But, um, he, uh, but All Right Mary had made this suggestion that I heard about where they said that the, when the girls walk down the runway, they should put almost like, you know, on the, on the title, thing on a music video mm-hmm. who the designer is yeah you know and that wouldn't be a bad idea you know because then if the person made it themselves then it's like you know then you see who's buying it and who's making it you know they're never gonna do that though but it's the fact that like the fact that carrie was able to get the actual fucking dress that mm-hmm. is just a level of privilege that makes it un- to do a night of a thousand JLo's and you're wearing JLo's actual dress. Well, just, right. I think they had to put her. I mean, I don't know. It's it's. I don't think it's fair. Oh, I have thoughts about. I I have thoughts about the lip sync and all of that sort of stuff related, and it's related to that dress. I've got to tell you, we're not covering the lip sync today. Oh, we're not. Oh, okay, I'm kidding. Then it'll just be my thoughts and me sitting thinking about this later today. All right, let's talk about the actual finished product, about the tra- the teasers and the trailers. Taylor, what were your thoughts on that? I wrote, "What is the point of these?" <laughs> I I don't get what they're trying to do by basically admitting that all of this is just manipulation mm-hmm. that, that that you know we're, we're, yes it's almost like a 
they're thumbing their nose at us where they're going, yes, we know we manipulate you and we're going to keep doing it. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm -hmm. Like that is sort of what it, that's sort of what it felt like to me. Um, I don't get how they picked who was in the top and who was in the bottom because it was so chaotic. Most people were only on screen for like four seconds. Yeah. Oh, based on that. Yeah. I don't, it must've just been from like Michelle and Carson's notes or for the sheer fact that this is who they wanted to be on top. Yeah. I don't know why Angeria was on top, besides the fact that in the confessional, um, Deja Sky told us she should be on top. <laughs> but I didn't see. I mean, because I'll be honest with you, as much as I criticized Willow Pill for the Where's Jeffrey, um, and I don't know if this was an editor choice or their choice, they did a brilliant rule of three where uh, I think it was Daya, Alyssa came in with sort of like boring entrance lo- lines, and then. Uh, Willow said, um, is my catheter leaky? And that was genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess they didn't want Willow to win all the time. And um, no one really stood out to me. I'll be honest no. with you. It was just it was just messy. Oh, I thought they were fine, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, to I... go to your point and not your point is mm-hmm. what I will say and what it should show everybody is not necessarily that they lie to you. But how much post-production can make things that they want to make? And so I felt that they showed us too much, so to speak, when they were filming Mm -hmm. the thing. And -hmm. you saw how they could take that and make it good. Because, like, for instance, the horrible Willow bit with Where's Jeffrey Boyer Chapman. And they actually made it decent. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they cut it. They took out all the stupid shit looking under people's hair and her legs, you know. And they made it into one little tight little package. And, um, yeah, I think they made everybody, yeah, it, to me, they were just fine. I couldn't, I could, I, I'll be honest with you. I thought they were both the same thing. When she said, we're going to show another one, I'm like, oh, they weren't both the same thing. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it's, that's, uh, uh, yeah. I, I will say this about the judges panel. Mm-hmm. And I also get that they would never, do this Mm -hmm. but i would almost rather you have you always have rue there and always have michelle Mm -hmm. but it is consistently rotating between carson taylor what did you just do Welcome to the main stage of RuPaul's Drag Race. Style superstar Carson Kressley. Now, have you ever met a pair of balls you didn't like? Met a pair of balls I haven't liked? I haven't even met a pair of balls I haven't uh, stuck the cum right out of and put the drizzle right all over my big lips. Hi, Taylor. How are you? Did you summon me? Hmm. Yes, I did summon you. I'm sorry. I did summon I've you. How so are you? Many, I've owned so many sailors. I bought a house in Vegas, if you know what I mean. Wink. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, but it's so wonderful to have you here. Gays in the 80s would make sense to them. <laughs> anyway, Taylor, what were you going to say about me? I heard you summon me. I was going to say, uh, I think that it should be a consistently rotating group of judges 
That is Carson. Oh, yeah, that fucked me up in the ass and kept me pregnant, poo <laughs> yeah. babies. I totally we need- agree. <laughs> we need to get Carson a, a Lazy Susan. Lazy and- Susan? That's the name I use at the whorehouse when guys just, just shoot cum in my eye, each eye. And I rub it back right back in. I like the burning sensation. That's the same burning sensation I have in my bussy, Taylor. Oh, yeah. You might want to get that looked at. <laughs> get it looked at and then have the doctor fuck it. <laughs> Carson, we have to finish the show. Could, could, could you come back maybe next week for us? I sure can, but then you got to finish inside of me. Yeah. All right. Bye, Carson. Taylor, you can't say that name. Okay. Or it summons him. All right. So I would like to see a – I would like to see them add to the rotation of hosts to include that person and Ross and just have where Nicole and Lonnie Love are consistently in the rotation. This Lonnie Love is such a – Nicole? Nicole Byer. Oh. (laughs) Just because she was on a bunch of times where it seems like they kind of flip-flop between yeah. Nicole and Lonnie last season. I, and I'm assuming that hopefully she'll be on sometime this season. Mm-hmm. I would love to see them incorporated even more. She is a great – she is she is a great person for them to talk to. And I thought what she said to uh, Cornbread – was re- was really good notes. It was a really it was a really smart thing to say. It's like it can't be all about just the fat jokes and the food and and all that sort of stuff. Which is yeah, they're going into our jokes. <laughs> yeah. Um, the only other thing that I had to say about that part uh, was that I found it interesting that Cornbread was willing to say stuff to Jasmine about talking too much. Yeah. And then proceeded to go on that big journey, <laughs> that word journey, standing on the stage talking about all of her thing that I thought was very like, oh, this in, isn't. In fairness, she called it out when she called Jasmine out. She did say, yeah. I talk a lot. But yeah. She was saying the point, the point she was making was that she, Jasmine doesn't listen. She just talks. I guess. Okay. But you're right. That Cornbread just, does talk a lot. Yeah. But but the thing that I put in my notes, which relates to what you were saying, they're all a bunch of fucking crybabies. Uh-huh. But I again, like I think it's because they, I don't, they just want the sympathy and the this and the that, and just so much pressure that they're just cracking under the pressure because to them, it this is now their this is, this is going to make or break their career. I made I went on this rant earlier. Well, but I think that they they know that what they want when you talk about that is, I feel like they want the validation. They mm-hmm. want again. These queens know how to play the game to mm-hmm. some degree. Mm-hmm. And they know mm-hmm. – I'm not saying they're not under pressure. I'm not saying that they're not feeling it. But I think they allow themselves to go with it a little bit more because they know that mm-hmm. Rue is just beating her dick under that table because she lives for this shit. And they know that if they give her what she wants, then you get the RuPaul seal of approval, which you can then cash in once you leave the show. Mm-hmm. No, that's exactly what – yeah. Yeah. You're right. Uh, any other points on the main stage, Taylor? No. All right. On the main stage, RuPaul names Angeria Paris Van Michaels the winner of the challenge and places Carrie Colby and Alyssa Hunter in the bottom two, forcing them to square off in a lip sync battle for their lives. The song Play by Jennifer Lopez. In the end, Carrie Colby is told, Shantae, you stay while Alyssa's bar is just chocolate. And she's asked to sashay away, leaving 12 queens in the race. Taylor the Latte Boy, any final thoughts on the episode? 
there was no way, especially once they found out that it was the actual dress, that they weren't going to make her lip sync in that dress. Uh, that dr- that dress was her downfall. Mm-hmm. And it, even though she wa- she should have never won that lip sync, I think the reason that she was saved was because they weren't going to send home a queen in the original Jennifer Lopez dress. Well, I'm going to disagree with you, but go ahead. I, well, and there may be have been other things, but she looked, because she even comments on it, what am I supposed to do in this dress that I bought? She looked terrified the entire time she was listening that she was going to rip this dress or she was going to do something to it. And, I mean, I don't even know what a dress like that would cost at this point, but Mm -hmm. it was, if it wasn't for the money gun not working, I think that I think that they just figured that they could use that other well that then this is going to send Alyssa home. Not that it wasn't already again written on a whiteboard someplace in the back of the studio, but I've, I I have I, a total different opinion about this lip sync. Really? I, yes, I thought Alyssa Hunter was so clearly, uh, but we'll give. I'm going to qualify this. Was so clearly gone based on the performance it was just because here's why going back to that unfair advantage that carrie colby had carrie colby was giving us j-lo i mean that was i mean yes she had to be careful about the dress and you could see her trying not to do anything to that dress right but just she's stunning she's beautiful she's in the actual fucking dress it doesn't look like a it made to be honest with you it it actually and to show you, talk about fashion a little bit, which we all know, I am the fashion queen. The Maven. Of the Maven, you know. Um, they, uh, it shows you what actual, real, beautiful construction looks like versus mm-hmm. someone making it on their sewing machine at home. Because it made, a, it, Carrie Colby is so stunning, and she's in that actual beautiful dress. That it made Alyssa Hunter, who's a stunning queen, look like a man in a shitty dress. Oh, I disagree with that. I thought Alyssa looked really good. I'm telling you, yes. I'm not saying she didn't. I'm saying that's how stunning Carrie looked. And that it gave her, again, going back to the steroids in baseball example, an unfair advantage. So that it was so stunning and she looked so stunning that all she she didn't have to do much in that dress. The dress did most of the work. And so I think she won the lip sync by an unfair advantage, but she did win the lip sync in my book. Thank you. Okay. End of the show. Out. Anyway, you still want to end the show. You're not even fighting with that. No, I had something else I was going to say. Go ahead. Say it. Say it. Okay. Say it, Jasmine. The the fact that now they're ending with the sad trombone when they, where they rip open the chocolate bar is so fucking dish. I know you love that. I know on some level you have to love that. Not some level, all levels, <laughs> but there's something so disrespectful. Well, they don't hear it in the studio. Now I know that, but still, even if it's something where they're sitting watching it at a bar, like at a, at a viewing party or something, and then they see that, there's that wah, wah, wah. I mean, it's just, it's not. I get they signed up for it, but it's still it's a little like let's let's kick them while they're down. Hold on, I I actually have I actually have uh, Alyssa opening the chocolate bar. <laughs> Eat chocolate. 
By the way, that's what Aiden's going to say when he eats my ass in a couple of weeks. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. It's going to be that same sound, too. It's going to be Aiden going. <laughs> and then the wah, wah, wah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's him taking off my chonies. And then he's going to say, it's chocolate. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Be sure to join us next week and every week as we continue to discuss, dissect, and deconstruct each and every episode of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 14. So, for Taylor the Latte Boy and myself, sashay away until next week. Thank you for listening to RuPaul's Drag Race Recap. Have something to say? Email us at dragracerecap at afterthought.media. You can also leave us a voicemail at speakpipe.com slash afterthoughtmedia. For more drag race and LGBTQ content, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash afterthoughtmedia. Taylor has another podcast. It's called Pod is My Co-Pilot, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Taylor the Latte Boy on Instagram and Twitter at P-I-M-C Taylor. Follow Joe Batance on Instagram and Twitter at Joe Batance. This episode was produced by Luke Stamen and Zach Birch. Very special thanks to these expensive tier Patreon supporters. Agnesia Chopinska. April Pacheco. Astute Girl. Brad Coley. Coco San Pedro, Declan Prosser, Drew Brooks, E. Smith, Emma, Humble Pie, J. Thomas Plank, Jesse Harris, Lauren Eckert, Lionel Campbell, Lucy Carrasco, Luke Stamen, Nicholas Springham, Poppy Woods, Ricardo Herrera, Sarah Yu, Tom Bombs, Travis Newland, Troy Anderson, Zach Nelson, Corinna Williamson, Elizabeth Timmer, Nikki Baker, Robert NYC, and Alexandra Six. Drag Race Recap is an Afterthought Media podcast. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Drag Race today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Drag Race.